our time is a little shorter than normal. I want to start with the Word of God and then kind of come back to this place. And um, because really, preaching, the foolishness of preaching, let's just be honest, uh, is the power comes from the Word of God. Amen? And so I want to turn uh, all the way to the end of my notes. And Brent, you can follow along like we did first service. Um, I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. And um, we're going to start there. We're going to read just a few verses. Uh, get your fingers ready to go. Um, here is what it says in verse 5. It says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive. Everybody say, take captive. We take captive every thought to make it obedient unto Christ. That is an incredible verse that helps us along our way. We take captive every thought and bring it into subjection. We give it to the Lord. Turn with me to James chapter 4, verse 7. It's a two-part verse. The first part says, Submit yourselves then to the Lord, to God. It starts with submitting. And then resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. From you. Romans chapter 12, um, great verse, uh, popular verse. I memorized this a long time ago. Uh, conform, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Everyone say, You got to renew your mind. You've got to renew your mind, and we need to fill our lives and our hearts and our minds with God's word. Philippians 4 8, the last verse. It says this, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We've got to commit our minds, our thoughts to God's thoughts and align it with what Scripture says. Amen? Amen. Now, we've been in this journey uh, since sabbatical uh, using the Iron Man that I participated in over the summer uh, as a catalyst, as an illustration, and uh, bringing some truth in that. The first week that we started this season, this series called Lessons from an Iron Man, we decided that fear keeps us from walking many times in God's path or in God's plan. And we know that fear is not from God. And we've got to face our fears and not run from our fears. And so that was the first week. The next week, we talked about that if we're going to face our fears or face something uh, intimidating, like an Iron Man, but really like anything in life that's, that's difficult, a key to facing our fears and accomplishing God's will in our lives is to create a plan an action plan, a blueprint, and then to execute that, to live intentionally, to live on purpose. And Paul certainly understood this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. He says that he is not running this race of, of life aimlessly. He says he doesn't fight um, like he's beating the air. Instead, he goes into strict training. He created a plan, and then he followed that plan. In church, 
we better have a plan when it comes to our finances or our marriages or our school or our health our, as men and women of God, spiritually, emotionally, physically. It is important. And this life, this, uh, this race that we're running, that we're living, is more like a marathon than a sprint. And last week as we wrapped up, we brought ourselves to the verse, Proverbs 27, 17, that says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the other. And we talked about the benefit of having a coach or a mentor or a friend for accountability, for support. It kind of opens up insight for wisdom in our lives. And we cannot afford to go through life without someone like that. We cannot do this on our own. We need each other. Isn't that the truth? We need each other. We are at our best when we walk this journey together. And so we kind of decided two things. Number one, we all need a coach. You need a coach. But on the flip side as well, we all can be a coach or a mentor to someone else. And this can come in a lot of different ways, in business and in leadership, in sports or at school, in spiritual disciplines, devotional life. How about diet and exercise, finances, marriages, parenting, you name it. We need uh, to, to be coached and to be bringing someone along the journey as well. So today, I want to focus more on the journey, the path, you can have a plan, you can have a coach even, but how many of us can recognize that life is tough? There, life is full of uncertainties. If you don't believe me, just look at the situation in Holland this last week where the teacher on the way, just driving along the road, a piece of metal falls off and uh, takes his life, and that family with all those kids, and then that school is reeling. Life is not guaranteed. We, it gave us an opportunity to talk about that as a family. And uh, life is full of uncertainty. Every day there are things, circumstances that can play with our head. And so we've got to understand uh, what that means in our lives. Did you know that really the only uh, line that you can completely control in your life is the starting line? I was relating this, this is, that's something John Acuff said. He said the starting line is the only line you can completely control. And I was thinking about that with this race that I did over the summer. At the starting line, we, I can control that. All right, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm going to go. But I did not realize that as soon as I got in the water and I started swimming, at 8 o'clock, it was 8 o'clock, the sun was just coming up over the trees. Um, and I did not expect this, but every time I took a breath, the sun was blazing right into my eyes. I had noticed earlier that a lot of the swimmers, probably 90%, had tinted goggles. That would have been smart. I wish I would have had that insight. Because every time, and on the way back, you know, on the 1.2 mile loop, um, on the way back, it, was, it, it wasn't an issue. But I wish I would have had tinted goggles. Another thing I didn't expect at the starting line is that I had overprepared. I had overhydrated for the race. Three times on the bike, I had to get off my bike and use the restroom. One time in a field, in a, and, I, uh, and then one, two times I was able to find a uh, porta potty, and I was thankful for that. And, uh, but I had overhydrated, and I had to stop. The other thing I didn't understand at the starting line was what the weather was going to do. It ended up being much colder 
crazy wind. And then for the last 50 minutes of my bike ride journey, it was pouring down rain. And I'm sitting there just tucked in. That's probably why I had to go to the bathroom because all the rain, I'm not sure. But I'm tucked down and I actually got cold. And, um, and it was not expected, and that's the reality with the way that life is. At the starting line, you can control that, but once you start moving, how many know anything can come our way? And we just don't know what that looks like. I like what Ty- Mike Tyson said. He said, you can have a plan, and that plan might work until you get hit in the face. (laughs) And I thought, oh man, that's good. We can all have a plan until you're hit in the face. And the reality is, we are going to take some punches along the way. A race like the Ironman can throw you curveballs. Life can throw you curveballs. You know those endurance races, it's more about the head than about what your body can do. Did you realize that? And what's cool is a couple years ago, I was in another endurance race. I was doing a marathon, a trail marathon, and there were uh, over 10,000 feet of climb, so over two miles of climbing, and uh, just crazy. And my average heartbeat for that race, for over four hours, was 178 beats per minute. Isn't that crazy? I th- I, when I got the results after the race, I could not believe that my heart rate was sustained. At that, And so you have to do things to trick your mind and, uh, and to keep on going. And that's just the part of it. Otherwise, you'll slow down, you'll stop, you'll have, you'll have thoughts of defeat, and you've just got to be able to push through in those circumstances. And the same is true in our lives. That's what God wants us to do. And we need to do as children of God. We will never know how far we can go until we push through. And some of you just need to push through today. And uh, we need to do that. So what keeps us from where we are to where God wants us to be? Well, stuff, right? Trials, tribulations, setbacks, things break, people get sick, the stock market crashes, investments don't pan out. You know what Jesus said was really encouraging? One of the most encouraging things he's ever said, John 16, He said, in this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> Not really encouraging, but very true. Life has its troubles, and they can mess with our minds, with our thoughts, and can mess with our emotions. And this morning, I want to talk about our emotions for a few minutes. And I want to do this because our emotions are so important in how we handle circumstances and how we let our emotions take control uh, is really, really key. So the first thing about emotions is this, is that emotions can be positive, can't they? Right? We were created in the image of God, and so we're emotional beings. Uh, Without emotions, life would be bland, right? Just the truth. Emotions bring color into life. Imagine Christmas morning without emotion, all right? I mean, we wouldn't even celebrate it, right? Or imagine meeting a long-lost friend without any emotion. You say, oh, I haven't seen you in you know, months or years, and all of a sudden, no. It's emotional, right? How about this? How many of you get emotional when you see those clips online or uh, on TV when a, a serviceman comes home from Afghanistan or from Iraq or Iran and they show up at the kid's school and the video's going and the kid is just, oh, and I'm like bawling, you know, I'm like, I mean, emotions are positive. Th- those are good emotions, right? 
emotions are fun in those circumstances, but how many know that emotions aren't always so positive? There's a negative side to emotions as well. Colossians 3.15, Jesus says that, you know, it talks about that Jesus came to bring peace, but our emotions uh, can steal peace quite quickly. Maybe a coworker uh, says something or does something that just grinds you, and poof, there goes your peace. Or a family member at a reunion, you know who I'm talking about. You just want to avoid them because that peace is long gone. How about within the confounds of your house? Within your house, a child can steal your peace, all right? It just is the truth. And uh, you could be having a great day, boom, something blows up. A spouse can do it. A sibling can do it. Isn't that right, Ryan? <laughs> you're talking about your brother's pie in the face. I know where you're going with that, right? <laughs> and uh, all those things. How many, oh, get this. You're just bopping along the road, enjoying your worship music, or you got uh, 91.3 on the radio, and some idiot pulls in, cuts you off, steals your peace, right? And your emotions are off to the races. We've got to be careful. Did I say idiot? Let's, 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 let's come back. Let's, I didn't mean to say that. Um, but seriously, our emotions can be devastating. But what I want us to imagine is what if we could control or manage our emotions better or well? Would that be a benefit? I think it would be. Come on. The truth is, is that emotions can make fools of us. Fools. I've seen it happen where somebody reacts in such a way and they lose their job or they lose a friendship or an opportunity or lose respect in a circumstance or they lose their dignity. If emotions go unchecked, it can be detrimental. Emotions often take the path of least resistance. And so if there's not a filter, you better watch out that you just say the easiest thing to say or to do. You end up reacting in a way, and oftentimes it's cavalier. And some people, they live their lives on emotion, and their lives are full of highs and lows. It's like a roller coaster. There's instability, and God does not call us to live a life of instability. He wants us to be stable. Can you imagine someone just saying everything that they thought? I mean, other than the two presidential candidates, right? Don't do that. <laughs> Hold your tongue because uncontrolled emotion will leave a wake of destruction. It's just the truth. It's, it's like a ticking time bomb. What do we call someone who can't control their emotions? We call them immature, don't we? And the reality is, as a child, a child will kick and scream and rant, yell, but adults, hopefully, as you grow and mature, you do less of that. That's kind of supposed to happen whether it does or doesn't i don't know but as christ followers i want you to get this picture that as we mature in our faith we must learn to force our emotions to follow the truth and that's where we get tripped up where we hear something that's not fully true and uh and then our convictions lead us in a bad place so there's a great example in Scripture of this, Matthew chapter 21. In fact, you can turn there with me. In Matthew 21, Jesus comes into the temple. In fact, let's just read it, verses 12 and 13. It says, uh, Jesus entered the temple area, and he drove out all those who were buying and selling there. 
He overturned tables of the money changers and, he, and the benches of those selling doves. And when we read that, sometimes we don't maybe picture it in, it in live action. If there was a uh, news report of this and got a live feed, that would not be a calm situation. Jesus was full of emotion in this setting. And, but what's interesting is that his emotions were, were following the truth. The truth was is that the, temple, the temple's purpose was being tainted. The money changers were keeping people from seeing God or from connecting with God. And so Jesus' conviction, based on the truth, in fact, he uh, quotes scripture in, uh, in verse 13. He says, it is written, uh, I, uh, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. So he brings it back to this truth, and he's quoting Isaiah and Jeremiah. And, uh, and he does that, and then he takes care of things, and he never sinned, even though his emotions had to have been at an all-time high. Unfortunately for us, for me, for you perhaps, there are times that our convictions are not always based on the truth. Instead, it's based on our selfish desires. Come on, is that the truth? Or our, even worse, our sinful desires. And our convictions cause us to go down a path that just spirals and sometimes out of control. Now the key here is that emotional maturity and spiritual maturity, they go hand in hand. You cannot be spiritually mature and be emotionally immature. That statement kind of scares me. It haunts me because, I don't know about you, but I have made some mistakes in this area. I've lost it at times. I've ended up getting, the, the, my emotions have got the best of me. Um, I've embarrassed my wife before because of my emotions or my kids. And uh, a lot of times it happens even behind closed doors. And the reality is the emotions that we don't keep in check, they're tattletales. It tells you what's going on deeper inside of your life. And we have got to be careful about these things. And we've got to ask questions like, why am I jealous in this circumstance? Or why am I bitter? Or why am I always struggling with anger? And the list could go on and on. We must align our emotions with God's truth. And we need to put a process between our opportunity and our response. And so what that means, when a circumstance comes up and something it causes you to, to you know, con- have concern, you need to wait and then respond. Come on. That's wisdom. You wait. You pray. You put it through a Jesus filter, okay? Or you take it to God's Word and say, what does God's Word say? And you say, well, why is that important? Well, the reason it's important is because the enemy is smart. Even a small irritation or an offensive statement can take root and it can spiral you out of control. Something is overlooked. Someone says something that rubs you the wrong way and bam, you're out of control. How many have been there before? Come on. I know I have. And by the way, it's easier to see it in someone else than to identify it in your own. Yeah, it just is. But when you're out of control, you're not exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience. These are the fruit of the Spirit. The last one, darn, is self-control. 
It's self-control, and we need self-control as Christ followers. You know, self-control was a big thing that I learned this summer on sabbatical. And uh, as I have debriefed with the coach that I've had, and I've got one more session coming up, but uh, we were uh, talking about uh, sabbatical, and self-control was, uh, ended up being one of the top couple things that were learning for me. Uh, let me give you a couple examples. I wanted to do three triathlons, and I ended up doing just one. That was an important decision. Um, also, uh, through the summer, I wanted at many times to stop in and just see how the finances of the church was going, because I always have a pulse on that, and I had to have self-control not to do that. Um, I also had to um, have a self-control, not trying to look at reports before or even listening to my kids when they would talk about how church was or different things. And then even coming back, um, there were some families that I had to deal with um, that, have, that were not easy, and I had some other disappointments, and I needed self-control. And I was thankful to have a coach that could see that and encourage me along the way, but self-control is so important. Now, I want to narrow the focus here, and I know our time is escaping. How do you manage your emotions? And that's where we come back to where we started this morning. The first thing is you have to take every thought that comes into your mind, you have to take it captive. Look at it again. Let's just read it again. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And then here's the kicker. And we take captive every thought and may make it obedient to Christ. In other words, we need to recognize the thought as it's coming in, whether it's evil or it's sinful or it's destructive or it's just not positive. We need to capture it. We take it captive and then we've got to contain it and not allow it to affect us. And the only through God's word can we do that. But we take it captive and we bring it into obedience to what the word of God says. This is powerful. A friend of mine has, has said this, and I, he said, birds can fly over your head and you cannot control that, but you can control that bird landing on your head and making a nest. And as I thought about that, the truth is there are going to be times that thoughts come in and that are just destructive, that are evil, that are sinful, that are just you know, rude or nasty, whatever the case might be. But we do not have to dwell there. We don't have to let it create a home there. We can take, ca- take it captive and then bring it in accordance to with what God's word says. Isn't that awesome what we can do? We can take our thoughts and do that. In James chapter 4, verse 7, another key to, to having victory is we need to submit ourselves then to God. That's number one. And then it says, then you resist the devil and he must flee from you. And so we take this idea, we're going to submit to God. We bring ourselves to the Lord. And that's where it starts. And once we have Jesus in our heart and we have a God acknowledged in our life, how many know the devil can't not stay there. He's got to flee. And so it puts up a barrier when we submit ourselves to the Lord and it allows us to experience the resisting of the devil. Barriers are put up where the enemy cannot, his fiery darts cannot penetrate. 
So we take our thoughts captive, we submit, we resist the devil. And I love what Romans 12 says, and we read this earlier. We renew our minds. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. The way we renew our mind is in God's word and through worship, through good affirmation. And uh, there, the, the word of God is key. It washes over us. And then that last verse that I read earlier, Philippians 4, 8. What kind of things do we need to be thinking about? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Those are the things we need to fill our lives with. That's what will help us to manage our emotions. And that is what will give us victory in our circumstances. Isn't that awesome? Now, in a race like that Ironman, I have learned, and I've done lots of different races over the years, that a race mantra is really important. Creating something that is easily to remember and just saying it over and over. Now, a race mantra could be a song, a line from a song. It can be a scripture. It could be an affirmation that you just write out. And I've used things over the years. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, six hours into a race, um, like the Ironman, I'm saying over and over in my mind, I can do all things. Or there's a song in particular that we're going to do next week that I'm excited about um, that was a huge benefit to me over the summer. And I, at the end of my Ironman, that was a song. There was a phrase there, uh, you can have it all, Lord. You can have it all, Lord. I probably said that 10,000 times. I'm not sure uh, on that race. And it, a race mantra can get you through. It tricks your mind so you're not concerned about what's happening to your body. <laughs> now, from a spiritual standpoint, we need life mantras. We need things in our life that we can say at the moment's notice when trial comes, that we can rely on God. It could be a scripture. It could be a song. It could be a, a, an encouragement from a loved one. It, but listen, we have got to have an arsenal of mantras that are godly so when life does throw its troubles our way, which it will, then we have something to fall back on. Now I want to take us on a little journey here. A lot of the songs that we sing have anthems, is what kind of Pastor Bobby calls them. I would call them a life mantra woven in to the song. And we sing these on Sundays and we encourage you to sing along in the week and maybe just even a song on the radio. There's a phrase that, you, that can be remembered. And uh, these are important things in our lives to acknowledge the truth of how we can make it through. And so this morning, we're just going to sing a song that we sang this morning. And, and go ahead and stand. And I want you to sing out nice and loud. And as we sing, I want you to have the perception of this is a life mantra. This is a something that I can affirm in my life. And so we're going to sing it in a little different direction and with a little different mindset. But let's sing it out from the bottom of our hearts. Here we go. Your name, your name is victory. 
of praise to Christ our King. Come on, declare it. Name, your name, his victory. No matter what. Oh, yeah. To Christ our King. Spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. On your name I come alive. Oh, thank you, Lord. Resurrecting King is resurrecting me. Hear your spirit rise the ashes of defeat. The resurrecting King is resurrecting me. By your name I come alive. Declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. Oh, yeah. And you see what happens is you sing a phrase like that, you sing a verse or a chorus like that, and when you face something that's difficult, you can come back to the truth that, look, the Lord is working on our lives. I, I heard this recently, that the cross certainly provides salvation. How many are grateful for that? But the cross also provides victorious living, that we are resurrected with our King. And so to say, okay, God, I'm in trouble here. My emotions or my thoughts are not lining up. And you bring it back and you start to say it over and over until you believe it, till it, your circumstances change. That's what God wants. He wants you to live victorious. He wants you to have control. He wants you to live a life that is pleasing, that others would look. After service, one of the elderly ladies, uh, I think she's probably close to 80, she came up to me and she said, you know, Pastor Ben, this, your, your, uh, the topic here, it gets easier with the older you get because you, the, the things, uh, the ups and downs of life just seem to go a little smoother be, and it's because of perspective. It's because uh, an older folks, they, they, they've been through it. They're like, okay, it's going to be okay. And it's their thoughts that they've taken captive, Right? They've submitted themselves to the Lord, saying, I'm a child of God. They resist the devil. They renew their mind with the word of God. And they fill their lives with things that are pure and noble and right. And church, that is a recipe for success. And we are called to live lives like that. Now, this morning, I, I want to give an opportunity for you, if you're up against something in your life that is especially difficult, you're facing something that you need extra grace, you need extra affirmation, like we were saying today, and if there's something that you're facing today and you need God just to work in a mighty way in your life, um, would you just be honest and just raise your hand right where you are, if that's you? All right, leave your hand up, okay? All right, just leave it up nice and high. Yeah, thanks. Now, just leave it up, and now I want the rest of us to look around, and I want you to pick a person to be praying for and uh, to be remembering this week. Yeah, 
There are a lot of needs represented, and we do not want to diminish those. We want to be lifting up those before the Lord. But there's a greater need than whatever you might be facing, and that's a need of salvation. And if you're here today, and you do not know the Lord as your personal Savior, this morning I want to just invite you to a place where the Lord, He can come in. We, we, we know that the Bible says we're all sinners, we all fallen short of the glory of God. We also know that the verse says that we are, um, but it's a gift of God that will save us if we put our trust in Him. And we don't deserve it, but God provides salvation for us. And if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, or if you are away from God in any way and would like to come back, would you just lift up your hand? I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. All right, yep. Got one hand in the back, young man. Anyone else saying, boy, that's where I am today. I need the Lord to save me. Anyone else? Second service here. Well, let's pray for this young man. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would help. I think it's Anthony, Lord, just to, to realize that he, he can rely on you, that he can trust you, and Lord, that you can save him in an instance. Lord, thank you for that. God, that your hand is upon him. Lord, we thank you for your saving power. I thank you, God, for that. And we give you the praise and glory for that. In Jesus' name. And now, for those that had their hands raised um, just a moment ago, I want to pray for you as well. Lord, we just come before you. We're asking, God, that your favor, that your hand would rest on those that acknowledge that there's a, something in their lives. It could be a relationship. It could be a financial issue. It could be a, 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 a spiritual issue. It could be a job issue or a, 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 who knows? God, you know, though, whatever people are facing, God, we give it to you. We're asking that your hand would be upon us and that you would strengthen us and that you would keep us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we pray it. And Lord, now as we go in these next few moments, I pray that you would just go before us, behind us, and all around us. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the power of your word. And we pray these things in your wonderful name. Amen. 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 Thank you for being here today. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. We love you very much. Turn and greet someone before you leave. And uh, have a wonderful day. We'll see you.